If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 173 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the fifth day of March in the year 2023. It is March. Wow. And I look outside my room window as I record right now, 10 minutes from 6 o'clock at night, and the sun is still out. Remember last week when we spoke last and I told you that sun is starting to creep out little by little, later and later, every single passing day. It is the beginning of March now. We're a week away from the clocks going one hour back ahead, so it's going to be even more so by the time I talk to you next Sunday on the 12th, but already that sun is still out. And it's about to hit 6 o'clock. God, I love it. Spring training is continuing on from when it started just the day before we spoke last week. The World Baseball Classic starts in a couple of days, for those of you who might have forgotten, amidst your excitement over spring training. I wouldn't blame you. Especially because not every single baseball fan out there is into the World Baseball Classic. But that starts up in a couple of days. I think the first game is officially on March... Eighth? It's it's either the seventh or the eighth. A lot of confusion amongst people. Some say the seventh, but I that I saw on some calendar the first game is on the eighth. The games take place in all different parts of the world, so time changes are different and everything, but that's starting up this week. And also, twenty-five little days away from the big day. Opening day. Can you believe that? <laughs> twenty-five days until opening day. When we finally have games back that count. And I can't wait to see the man that John Heyman calls Arson Judge, by the way, playing right field out there for the Giants at Yankee Stadium when the Yankees take him on opening weekend. But that's besides the point. I just can't believe it's already almost opening day. And you know what the crazy thing is? Usually it takes me a little bit more time to get to this point. But I think I'm already at this point where spring training has only been going on for a little bit over a week now, but I think I've already hit that point that all of us baseball fans inevitably and eventually hit while spring training's going on, and the point that I'm referring to is when we sit down one day and we say, I've had enough of games that don't count, and I'm ready for the season to start. (laughs) I think that's just how much my excitement is just overtaking me now. Only a little bit over a week since spring training began, I've already hit that point where I'm like, I just want the regular season now. I want games that count. Usually it takes me two to three weeks until I hit that point because I'm just so excited that baseball's back. But I don't know, this year it's even different. Despite my negative viewpoints about the team here and there, like left field, third base, shortstop, and everything else more or less I feel positive about, but those are aspects of the team that I'm really... I'm really down about. I've been very upfront about that for months now. And even more so now that we're amidst spring training and little to nothing has been done to improve those positions. 
But despite the negative aspects of the team in my mind, I'm ready for games that count. I'm ready for it. I mean, it could also be the fact that this year I've probably been able to catch less spring training games than I've been able to any other season since I became a fan 15 years ago, give or take. Because, whether it be because of my job, if I'm too busy, or, you know, what game is on television, on which network, which game is available to only listen to, which game isn't available at all to watch or listen to, it varies on the day with spring training. It just varies, depending on the day, as we know. Day by day, it's different. Which game is available to watch, which game's available to listen to, which game's available for both, and then which game's available for neither. <laughs> so, and a lot of them that I have been able to tune into, it's only been for a very brief amount of time, like while I'm doing work or just before I head into work, because my work schedule is kind of all over the place, even though I'm constantly on and off from working at the job that I work at all throughout the day during the week, and I even do some work on weekends. A lot of you guys know I am the manager of an entire radio station. So, it's a lot, and because of that, and because of just my schedule not really lining up for when games are on, I've tuned into less spring training action, like actually watching or listening, than any year prior. But that doesn't mean I haven't kept track of what's going on. I have. Sometimes I've had to look at, you know, the box score afterwards, and play-by-play, but I've still kept up with everything. But maybe that is a reason now that I think about it. Maybe that's a reason why I'm looking even more forward to just the regular season now, because when the regular season comes around, you best believe that time will be made to make sure I watch every single game, just like the way it's always been. (laughs) You best believe nothing is stopping me from that. And plus, the regular season's easier. The regular season, you have night games. You know, the day's over by then. And even if I have to maybe go downstairs and hit a workout at night after work, I could always listen to it on the radio. Like, I'm always going to know what's going on almost every single inning throughout the entire season. The regular season's just different. And, yeah, there's complications for whenever there's, like, a weekday day game, which I've done plenty of bitching about in the past, as a lot of you know, (laughs) especially last year when I was first promoted into the current position I'm at at my job now, Whenever there would be a weekday day game, I got really pissed off about it, especially when it happened in the playoffs. So, listen, I'll have to make do for those days, and I'll find a way. I'm confident in that. But most of the time, obviously, the games are at night or in the evening, so it's a lot easier because the day is, you know, the day's over by then. Even if my distraction isn't 100% on the game throughout the entire game like it was in the past... Um, before life, you know, dealt me the inevitable full responsibilities of an adult. But you find a way. That's how you do it. If you care enough, you find a way. But I still find opportunities to tune into what's going on in spring training lately. Like, I've been watching some of the kids' progress. Um, Like today, for instance. (laughs) Another home run for Oswaldo Cabrera. He's really kicking ass so far. And a lot of the kids who really weren't factors at all, names being thrown around prior to this spring, and we even spoke about this on last week's social media segment, I think, with some of you guys. You know, we talk about each spring, there are, you know, a name or two, or maybe even more sometimes, where some names who weren't even really brought up much heading into spring training, whether they be like veterans who have been in Major League Baseball for a while and just have an invite to spring training, or whether they be prospects, whether they be whichever one, veterans with an invite, or prospects who have never seen a play in the major leagues as of yet. A lot of the time in spring training, there will be times where these people, 
make a name for themselves and actually legitimately compete for a roster spot. And there are some names like that, like Willie Calhoun. He's having himself a decent spring. And the Yankees brought him over this past offseason. Rafael Ortega. How about this Andres Chaparro kid? He's He's got some power. See some of the home runs he's hit? My God. And this Narvaez kid, I actually saw when he hit that walk-off two-run homer the other day. I think it was on Thursday? Yeah, I believe it was on Thursday. And he hit that one. And I, like I said, Oswaldo's having a really good spring. Uh, Glaber's continuing to have a pretty good spring. Jason Dominguez. I mean, he hit another big home run today against the Braves. And he's showcasing his power. He's shown some defense in the outfield, which is vital. So he's putting on a show. We spoke about Anthony Volpe's first game last weekend. And he's also since hit his first spring training home run. So he's shown some good stuff. He's shown some really impressive defense. Like the other day, I saw him make a play where he had gotten a tough ball to get to through the left field hole. And he was like falling back while he was making the throw to, to second base to get the force. And he was like falling backwards. He expected the throw to maybe be a little bit off. No, <laughs> right on the money. Right on the damn money. So he moves around really well, doing some stuff with the bat. So Volpe and Dominguez, as expected, looking real good. Oswaldo kicking ass. Peraza's getting his shot. And also, like I like I said, you also have these other names that I mentioned just before making a name for themselves in this spring and trying to compete for a roster spot. Those are the fun parts of spring training. When you see people who, you know, again, their names are never even really mentioned, yet they're attracting people. They got eyeballs on them. And there are a lot of positions right now where it's still early on, so I, I guess I understand these kinds of answers. But, you know, the media is going right in on asking Boone and everybody else, what do you think the deal is going to be with this position, like shortstop or third base or left field? What do you think's going to be the deal with that position? What do you think about this guy, that guy? And they're getting a lot of I don't know yet's right now, pretty much. The good old I don't know yet. And there are people going after them, and I get that people want immediate answers. They get frustrated easily, especially because the Yankees have continued to come up short every year. I get that. But also, we're only just slightly over a week into spring training, guys. So let's pump the brakes a little bit and see how things play out. I'm pretty patient with that sort of a thing, believe it or not. But right now, you've got other guys playing for certain positions like, uh, well, you got the big three that people think of all the time when they think of people who definitely have something to prove. And those three names are obvious ones, like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Josh Donaldson, Aaron Hicks. How are guys like them doing? Well, IKF so far is really not doing anything special at all, to say the least. So not that spring training is the end-all, be-all when competing for a roster spot, but he is certainly not... Uh, doing himself any favors right now, which I can't say I'm very surprised about, but you know what? I don't root for anybody to fail. I've made that clear. Um, I'm not an IKF fan. I don't have a problem with him personally. I more have an issue with the Yankees trying to convince people that he is a legit contender or a legitimately solid shortstop defensively or otherwise, because it's just not true. And I more blame the Yankees for that than I do IKF. I think IKF is a serviceable player. Uh, I think he deserves to be in more of a utility role. Like, for whenever you really need him, he can alternate between shortstop and third base. And <laughs> don't forget about third base, because he's actually a respectable third baseman. That's where he won his gold gloves some years back in the shortened season. But that's just me. 
I mean, yeah, it, it's only right that he gets his fair shot to reclaim that position, but I happen to think that, especially because the kids have showcased more talent than he ever has, and that his placeholder role has been fulfilled after we had to watch him all throughout 2022, that it's time to move on and play a kid there. Whether it be Oswaldo, whether it be Oswald, Peraza, or whether it someday be, whenever he's to come up, alternating between Peraza and Volpe, or if you happen to get someone externally from another organization, even though the Yankees have constantly passed up on that in anticipation over the names of some of the guys I just mentioned, Peraza and Volpe. So, regardless of what happens, one of those two kids or both, it's pretty obvious the Yankees see them as a part of their legitimate future in the middle infield. And I do think that especially because of that, but also because... IKF, I just believe, doesn't have what it takes despite what the Yankees tell you. I really think that it's time for one of those kids to really take the mantle of the shortstop and or second base position. I know Glaber Torres is still at second base. I'm okay with that for the time being. I have said that, but especially shortstop particularly right now. And maybe the other could play third base because everybody knows I'm no fan of Donaldson's. Even though Donaldson is, you know, he's having a bit better of a spring than IKF is. He had another hit yesterday. Granted, also today gave IKF more at-bats than him, and they've also had less than double-digit at-bats. So, yes, it's still early on. I'm just giving you observations from what we've seen so far. Relax before you get your panties in a bunch, okay? But, listen, these are just my opinions. We'll see how the rest of spring training progresses. I think it's time for others to take the mantle of the left side of the infield. That is my personal opinion whether or not spring training and or beyond ends up proving me right again when it comes to those two in particularly. When it comes to left field, well, there are a bunch of different things that could happen out there. If they do not intend on having Oswaldo play much of the infield in contrast to the outfield, if they plan on having him play more more of the outfield, well, he's making a legitimate case for himself because, like I said before, he's having himself a very nice spring, particularly power-wise. I actually think I just heard a few hours ago, a thud on the roof of my house. And I actually went outside to look, and it was a baseball. So I put two and two together and said, well, this must be the ball that Oswaldo Cabrera just hit down in Florida against the Braves. Because my God, what a bomb, I tell you. (laughs) My goodness. The power that this kid is showing in spring training from the left side of the plate so far. Wow. Just wow. Wow. And if he continues the versatility in the field and being good at every position in the field at that, I'm just telling you, Oswaldo wants to play every day, man. No matter where it is, in left field, right field, anywhere in the infield just about, even first base since he got some looks there last year, he wants to play every day. He really does. And kudos to him, and I hope that he earns that. So far he's earning it, and Lord knows I love the kid. Him walking and running around, smiling all the time, and rightfully so, because he's great at what he does. So, I'm a huge fan of of Oswaldo's. I've made that clear since day one. The only reason I may have given some blowback for the Yankees wanting to take a chance on him in left field is not because I don't believe in him out there, not fully at least. It's because I'm of the group that believes, well, maybe you should have an actual outfielder play the outfield and not someone who's primarily an infielder, someone who had little to no outfield experience whatsoever prior to being called up. I'm just saying that it's naturally the safer thing to do to put an outfielder in left field. 
But that's not to say that he didn't do some incredible things in the in the outfield last year, especially for someone who hadn't played it prior to being called up. He did great things in right field. He did great things in left field. It started to taper off there towards the end because he's not a natural outfielder. And that's where my slight concern comes in a little bit. But I think he could be serviceable out there. I do. I don't think it'd be a nightmare. I just think there there might be some plays, crucial or not, that should be made that might not be made because he's not an outfielder first and foremost. He is an infielder. Middle infield, occasionally third base. I'd feel more comfortable naturally with him there. And I think he deserves it more than... He deserves a better shot than someone like IKF or Donaldson, in my opinion. I will go... I will die on this hill saying that. So kudos to Oswaldo. The kid wants to play every single day. And I don't blame him. Even if it's to get more shots in the outfield, if that's where he's needed. And he's made it more than clear. That he will play wherever the Yankees tell him that they need him to. And that is a go-getter right there. And it makes me respect him even more than I already do. So good for him with that. Another monstrous home run before as he continues his power tear this spring, seemingly. He is having himself a hell of a spring, and he is determined. But it's been good just watching the guys play. It's been good seeing him on the TV, whenever I could catch him, that is. But just having knowing that baseball is being played every day again. And even when I'm not watching, getting the notifications on my phone of the scoring updates, when a game's going to start, and the pitching matchup, and what have you. It's just great to see that back in. It's just a part of baseball being back. It just makes you feel like you're in your happy place again. And baseball is my heart. So whenever I'm getting updates on my phone that it's being played this day or that day, every single day, Getting scoring updates, who's pitching, when the game is starting, when the game ends, what the final score is, even if it's a game that doesn't count. It just feels good. It feels good when it's your whole heart and you're just seeing it played every single day. But why don't we just run through a quick recap of the last week while we're at it. Just give you a brief little rundown of some names that are standing out to me and what I think of how they're doing so far. Obviously, when we spoke last Sunday, the Yankees had just had a split squad day last Sunday where they won both of their games, one against the Braves and one against the Blue Jays. And it's funny they played the Braves last Sunday because they played them today on Sunday again. But on Monday, they did face the Tigers. They won 8-5. to In that game, you had Luis Severino getting his first start. And I'll just be the first to say this. Uh, Luis Severino's getting pretty rocked this spring. And... Like I've said, I'm not one to get overly concerned in spring training for obvious reasons. Spring training is, of course, a time for pitchers to work on their craft, even work potentially on new things that they could add to their repertoire when the time comes that games actually do count. And they're not really going all out. They shouldn't. The games don't count. (laughs) So where other people might flip out seeing things like this, I'm not necessarily happy about it, but I'm, I'm... not going to get anywhere near flipping out about it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. So, in this game, Luis Severino just went two innings, and by now the starters also don't go deep into the game at all, so that's normal. And he allowed four runs, so not a great outing for him. But offense-wise for the Yankees, Oswaldo Cabrera got an RBI single at the bottom of the first. Harrison Bader, sacrifice fly. So that was what the regulars did earlier in that game, and then the kids later on, They really came back into it. In the bottom of the seventh, Aguilar hit a two-run ground rule double, and then Jesus Bastidas hit a two-run single and then advanced to second on a throwing error by Tyler Nevin. 
And then in the bottom of the eighth, on a throwing error by the catcher Andrew Knapp at the time, the seventh run of the game came home, and then an eighth run came in on a Brandon Lockridge sacrifice fly, and that gave the Yankees a nice 8-5 to victory that day. On Tuesday, well, nothing really happened here because the Rays beat them 12 to nothing. <laughs> and starting that game was Sean Boyle. He gave up two runs in three innings. And then later on in the game, Tyler Danish came in and just made a complete mess of things, not even getting a single out and allowing six runs to score. The bullpen was just a just a bit bad after that. Just a bit. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> no real notable names pitched in that game. And as far as the Yankee lineup was concerned, uh, not too much happened amongst them either, only amounting five hits the whole game, not scoring anything, so they lost 12 to nothing that day. On Wednesday, the Yankees took on the Nationals, and this was the game... Yeah, that's right. It was Wednesday because I got a later start to work that day. That's how I saw the walk-off. So this, yeah, this was the day where Carlos Narvaez hit that walk-off two-run shot. So they faced the Nationals this day, and they ended up winning 4-2, to did the Yankees. Herman had his first spring training start, which I was interested in seeing after Clark Schmidt's first spring training start was really good, obviously. And Herman didn't do badly, allowed one run and two and a third, struck out three. So, a decent showing for him. Greg Weiser came out of the bullpen to get two outs after him. Luizaga pitched that day. And then for three innings after Luizaga, Yoendris Gomez came in and pitched three innings of one-run ball. And then Ryan Weber. Remember him? Oh, my God. (laughs) In 2022, everyone went nuts for this guy. Ryan Weber, the guy who would occasionally be called up and then sent back down or DFA'd, called up and sent back down or DFA'd constantly. And whenever he did come up, he did a good job pitching multiple innings. Well, he pitched in this game, and again, two scoreless innings. The man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Weber, (laughs) continuing his legacy in spring training. Can you believe it? My God. And in this game for their four runs in the bottom of the fourth, Harrison Bader hit an RBI triple into deep right center field that tied the game up at one at the time. And then the Yankees would score another run later in that inning on a wild pitch. Bader would come home to score. And then later on in the bottom of the ninth of the game, tied at two. Like I said, Carlos Narvaez, two-run shot, walked it off. Yankees win four to two. Exciting to see. Spring training walk-offs are cool. And then on Thursday, the Yankees took on the Pirates and had a big nine-to-one win. So a lot of scoring in that one. And this was more of a game pieced together with bullpen pieces. Starting off the game was Lou Trevino. So he pitched the first inning. He pitched a scoreless inning. As did Wandy Peralta after him, followed by Holmes, followed by Albert Abreu. All scoreless innings. Cordero scoreless inning. Hamilton scoreless inning. Norwood scoreless inning. Santos scoreless inning. And then Bowman just gave up one run at the end of the game. But other than that, it was all Yankee offense. And this was the day on Thursday where Volpe went deep for the first time this spring, a shot to left center field. And another thing I got to say right now, because the Pirates television network was the only means to watch this game at all. But I got to tell you, especially in spring training, whenever the opposition hits a home run, you got to hear the enthusiasm, or I guess the lack thereof, of these opposing team's commentators. They sound like they got one foot in the grave already. Uh, you wouldn't believe how these people sound. Literally when Anthony Volpe hit a home run, and the bitterness. I mean, not only from a broadcasting standpoint is it such a turnoff if you're listening, but I mean, it's almost funny. 
Like, Anthony Volpe hit a really good shot to left center field. And what did the announcers say for the Pirates? Oh, the wind-aided home run for uh, Yankees prospect Anthony Volpe. It sounds like a golf outing. You want to have a little bit of excitement? (laughs) This kid's a big deal. Not only just in the Yankees prospect system, but in baseball's prospect system. And he just hit a bomb, dude. You want to show some sign of life? (laughs) I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's not like the game counts anyway, so who gives a crap? God, you gotta hear this. If you have the MLB app or you go on MLB.com and watch highlights, like video highlights, go to this game on Thursday, March 2nd when the Yankees took on the Pirates and listen to these Pirates announcers when Anthony Volpe hit his home run. (laughs) Oh, God, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's funny. It is. It's priceless. Absolutely priceless. And then after that, in the top of the second, Rafael Ortega, mentioned him earlier as well, hit his first spring training home run. Estevan Florial, not done an unbelievable amount this spring, to say the least so far, but in the top of the fourth, he hit an RBI double as well. And Ortega's home run was a two-run shot, by the way. And then in the top of the fifth, Ortega again. He hit an RBI triple. And then the top of the ninth came the big blow. And I mentioned him before, Andres Chaparro. A grand slam. His second home run of the spring, but a grand slam. So he's putting on a show himself, showing impressive power. Then on Friday, March 3rd, this game upset me. Not because of anything that happened in the game, but because Garrett Cole pitched in this game, and I wasn't able to watch or listen. There were no watching options. There were no listening options. And I'm sorry, that annoyed me. It, it, it just did. Because I think every spring training game should have at least, whether it be for one team or the other or both, I think they should at least have a listening option for every game. Especially when there are big names involved. And I know the matchups aren't always announced until, like, you know, not too long before the game, so it's impossible to know that ahead of time. But, like, Garrett Cole started this game. And Michael King pitched for a couple of innings. And Schmidt pitched again. And the Yankee lineup, LeMahieu, Judge, Glaber, Stanton, were the first four. I would have liked to have seen that. (laughs) Sorry. (sighs) So, anyways, they took on the Tigers, and Garrett Cole, wish I could have seen it, but he pitched a good game, only allowing one hit, three innings, four strikeouts, pitched well. And Michael King, this was really the main one I wanted to see, because, of course, Michael King, after having that devastating elbow injury, in 2022 and missing the rest of the season and in the offseason having avoided surgery and missing even more time and is now back alongside the likes of other big arms in the Yankee bullpen that would end up getting hurt as well like Ron Marinaccio for instance he pitched in this game and he looked real good pitched against six batters in two innings struck out four of them didn't allow anything he looked as sharp as ever so good to see out of King Again, I don't put too much stock into anything good or bad in spring training, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna frown at something good happening either. So, he did a very nice job. Clark Schmidt came in after that and pitched for an inning and two thirds, and uh, let's just say he didn't quite have the stuff that he had in his first outing, where he started the game for the first two innings and went perfect and struck out almost every hitter. <laughs> he did very much not have that same stuff. He allowed four runs, all earned to score. So, he did not help the Yankees in their attempt to win anything. 
uh, Fenter had to finish out the inning for him. And then Davey Garcia would pitch two innings at the end of the game and only allow a run. So the Yankees would allow five runs on there, and they scored three runs on a sacrifice double play by IKF. So make of that what you will. And then Jamie Westbrook at the end of the game and Jesus Bastidas again. Jamie Westbrook walked with the bases loaded and Bastidas hit a sacrifice fly. So those were the three runs for them. But there's an interesting name I'd like to talk about because I'm surprised not many others have mentioned him as well in Davey Garcia. I think someone mentioned him in one of my social media segments some weeks ago when we were just talking about, uh, you know, people to maybe bounce back after they were really good prior. And Davey Garcia is an interesting name because I, I get sad when I hear his name. Almost ticked off. Because the kids showed so much promise in the shortened season in 2020. And then he comes out in 2021 and he stinks up the joint. Looks like an entirely different pitcher. Lost velocity on his fastball. The movement's not as great. People just seem to have figured him out. And it was ugly for those few outings that he had. He barely pitched, really. I mean, only a couple outings, but it just wasn't It wasn't good. He didn't look good, and then after that, he just wasn't seen in the majors again and was even getting rocked down in the minors. Like, his stuff just wasn't moving the same. Velocity had come off, and it was really baffling because when he got his first looks in 2020, just at the age of 20, he's a young kid. Even right now, he's still just 23. Usually you start to see people take the next steps in their career if they have that kind of potential and eventually become a solid baseball player, maybe even a star. And it seems like it went the opposite for him. He started way up here, and then he's taken steps back, which is upsetting. Because based off the promise that we saw in 2020, he has the potential. It's just he hasn't figured it out. So it's good to see him get some outings and get a shot at this thing again because, I mean... How huge would that be for the Yankees to have a pitching option like him if he's to figure it out? And he's still so young. Like I said, even right now, he's just 23 still. And he debuted three years ago. And I know, I know that people consider the 2020 season to not even be a legitimate season and not even take any stats from anybody from that year seriously because a lot of stars had a rough year because of how weird it was. And so people don't take it seriously. A lot of people also discredit the Dodgers for the title they won in the World Series that year. I get it. I understand, all right? But everybody was on the same playing field at the end of the day, going through the same weirdness and the same new adjustments that came with the weird schedule and the weird circumstances. And Davey did a hell of a job that year, and I really thought after that, well, I thought we were going to get a young star. I mean, he's yet to prove that again, though. He's got to continue to step up, and maybe this spring will be a legitimate step for him to do that. Who knows? There's still a lot of time left in spring training, so we'll see how it goes for him. But really, just a name that makes me really sad and really just a little ticked off as well. Because I, I hate hearing stories like that. Whether it be because they got hurt or their stuff just it just suffered. I mean, it's tough. But he was feeling good after the spring debut, so... We'll see what comes of him going forward. Nice to see him get a look here, though. But the Yankees lost that game 5-3. to And yesterday was a wild game with the Rays. Lost 14-10. to That was a pretty wild scoring display. Severino got the start again, and again, just did not look too great. Again, just maybe working through some stuff. Missed a chunk of last year. Maybe not even 
trying at full potential, because none of them do in spring training because it doesn't freaking count. Maybe trying out some new things. Could be anything. Could be a little bit of everything. Who knows? But nonetheless, two and two-thirds, three runs allowed. Did strike out six, so he got a lot of strikeouts. So he's fooling some people. But uh, overall, final line, not looking too hot. Loisaga also pitched in this game, pitched one inning, did allow three hits and allowed a run, struck out two. Weissert pitched again, one inning, one run allowed, so pitching didn't really do their thing, evidently. I mean, just look at how many runs the Rays scored if you want confirmation of that. <laughs> so, I'll say one thing. In the bottom of the second of yesterday's game, Aaron Hicks did hit a home run. I'll give him that. Other than that, he hasn't done really too much this spring, but uh, he did hit a home run. Nice two-handed swing, and a lot of people have also spoken about whether guys like him may or may not be able to turn their careers around as a result of the shift no longer being around, and it could happen. Who knows? Because a lot of people were victims of the shift. Aaron Hicks has the benefit of being a switch hitter, but I know that there were some some hard hits through, through the right field hole, for instance, whenever he'd be batting left. And uh, a lot of those hits were eaten up by the shift. So in cases like that, he'll get more hits. Maybe it's if it's right up the middle, as opposed to the shortstop or second baseman playing right behind second. Right now, there's no more shift up the middle, so it'll go right up the middle for a hit now. So maybe it'll make a difference. Who knows? And a lot of people also ask me to comment on the fact that there is no longer a shift. At least in the infield, I should say, because they still did a weird thing the other day that I saw um, when I think Joey Gallo actually was coming up. And I think they took an outfielder and put them where the second baseman used to go in short right field. So they almost recreated what the shift, the infield shift used to look like. Instead, all four infielders are still where they're supposed to be. And now they were just basically short an outfielder. In left, which is... <laughs> the word bizarre doesn't even do it justice. I don't even know. So, they're still, they're still figuring out ways. I was under the impression they weren't even allowed to do that, but evidently they were. So, but anyways, maybe it will help guys like Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo and whatnot, as long as they don't do those other ideas like they did to Gallo. <laughs> God almighty. But, my thoughts on the shift pretty much not being around anymore. Listen, I understand people thinking that it's lame to take strategy away from the game. I'd be a hypocrite if I felt otherwise because I did say that strategy could suffer with this new pitch clock, for instance. So if I said that doesn't matter to me with the shift being gone, then I'd be a hypocrite. But not only that, I just, I do understand, definitely, people saying that forcing players to not shift anymore instead of just having the players learn and adjust to hit the other way, for instance, is lame. I understand that fully. But in the same breath, let's also have enough common sense and objectivity to realize how much the shift has hurt offense in baseball for a long time now. And that the shift, like it or not, it got out of hand. There were times when they were shifting Judge, guys. How often does Judge hit the other way? The answer is a lot. And he is one of many players who do the same thing. Always hit the other way. Hit to all fields. 
or even if they do pull a lot of the time, they still have plenty of tendency to hit the other way, and yet they were still shifted. It was used on almost every single hitter, whether they pull all the time or not. At one point, it was reserved just for specific certain players, i.e. Mark Teixeira mainly. Remember that? And then we got to a place a few years later, leading up to last year, where it was used on virtually every single hitter who stepped up to the plate. And it got out of hand, and you saw at one point where it started to affect offense in baseball. I still think it's a major reason why offensive stats all throughout the game took a massive dip the last few years. And when you have a league that always preaches about, oh, fans want to see more offense, they want to see more scoring, they want to see anything having to do with offense. Well, I do think that getting rid of the shift, since players, since a lot of players, I don't want to say all of them, but since a lot of players have proven incapable of learning how to drop down a bunt or hit the other way, and again, I hear the people saying that that's lame and forcing them to even ban the shift, but you also have to admit that banning the shift is also going to see more offense return to the game. Now, I don't buy a lot of the league's crap, like, for instance, what I've been ranting about for weeks now when it comes to the time of a game. I don't think that chopping 20 minutes off of a game, for instance, is going to unlock this new, unfound audience. I think that's a bunch of crap. But, one thing that is true is that I do believe that banning the shift is going to open up the possibility, again, of getting a lot more hits and seeing a lot more offense. Think of how many hits a year are taken away from the second baseman playing short right field with a hit through the right field hole. Or how about the other way with left field? Or when they would use four outfielders. This resulted in a lot of hits being taken away. Like I said before, even hits up the middle. The shortstop or second baseman would be playing behind second. And off the bat, from the TV's perspective, when you saw a hitter hit one right up the middle... Back then, that's a given. Right at the middle, it's a base hit. But then now, despite your excitement right off the bat, you have to quickly remind yourself that an infielder could be there. And it could possibly not be a hit. And a lot of the time, because the shift was being used almost all the time, like I said, it wasn't a hit. And because people are incapable of being objective, of course, when that would happen for their team, they'd get all pissed off that a hit would be taken away. But then, of course, when it happened against the other team, then they'd all be happy. But again, I have the ability to view this from an objective standpoint. And that tells me that, yes, despite it being lame, forcing these people to remove strategy from the game with shifting and preventing hits, that banning it is going to create more offense. It will. All the hits through the right field or left field hole, all the hits up the middle, these will, again just like it used to be, return to being hits as opposed to being outs, which they have been a vast majority of the time for a few years now. And this will see the return of a lot more offense, which is what the league claims that all these fans want. So both can be true. A part of you can think that it's lame to forcibly remove strategy, but you could also admit and be excited for the fact that we're probably going to see more offense again with hits through the right field and left field hole and right up the middle 
being hits again and not outs. Because one thing is true, undisputably, and that is the fact that offense has vastly decreased throughout all of Major League Baseball the last few years. And is the shift a part of that? It probably is. I'd be shocked if it isn't. So we'll see how much of a difference it does make this year now that it's gone. I do think it'll make a difference. Just like I think, even though I'm even though I'm not really for it because I don't want to shorten the game that I love, but even though I'm not for the pitched clock, I can acknowledge, and I have from the beginning, even when just speculating things that would truly speed up games years ago, that this pitch clock will speed up the game. It will speed it up. I mean, how could it not? That was the main thing, keeping things prolonged. When you have an inning where a pitcher throws over the first 25,000 times, which that can't happen anymore either. Or when the bases are loaded and they took forever when in the stretch to throw the ball. That can't happen anymore. And when that happens a ton of times throughout the game, that is time that just compiles and compiles and compiles. And before you know it, you have a half hour plus of excessive time that could have been sped through but wasn't. That's what was truly extending games. Not really mound visits, maybe a little bit, but not really. Because, I mean, before this, a lot of games have been just as long as they were before, with the exception of a very little amount, very few. And even with the extra innings crap, not every game is guaranteed to go to extra innings. And even when they do, I've seen plenty of this runner on second crap, still seeing the 13th inning at times. Plenty of times. So little things like that, it just it's not going to do much. Basically almost anything else that they've incorporated so far, I was like, it might help here and there, but it's not going to be a regular thing. This will be a regular thing, the pitch clock. So you could look at the big picture of anything and acknowledge its pros and cons and just acknowledge all ends of it. Both sides can be true, believe it or not. <laughs> and the same thing could be with the shift. Is it lame to force strategy away? Yeah, probably. I hear those people. But will it result in a lot more offense? And will that also get people excited, including myself, admittedly so? Yeah, it will. And I'm excited for that. Again, both can be true. That is a lesson of life, guys. That in a lot of situations, even just outside of baseball or all of sports, more than one point of view on any given subject can be true. I'm turning to Philosopher Mike again. Ready? Both can be true. Tell your parents, tell your kids, tell your grandkids. You heard it here first. Anyways, and today's game, I already briefly mentioned it before, but they did play the Braves again today as they did last Sunday as part of their split squad last week. And they did win 10-6. to and it's another game that I was upset that I couldn't watch because who started the game, you might ask? Well, none other than our brand new top-of-the-line rotation guy by the name of Carlos Rodon. Maybe you heard of him. But in case you didn't, he's kind of a big deal. And he started today's game. And I wanted to watch it really badly. Maybe it's a bit better that I didn't. But um, <laughs> the reason I'm glad I didn't is because uh, he didn't have a very good go at it. <laughs> And again, same thing being brought up, 
particularly with pitchers in spring training. I am not going nuts about it whatsoever, but that does not change the fact that it was not a pretty start. Two innings, six hits, five runs, a walk, and just two strikeouts. So Rodon had a tough go at it for his first spring start. Hopefully the next one is on television, and I can see some more of what he's got, because Lord knows I want to see the guy pitch. Rodon was really the only notable guy other than Albert Abreu to pitch today, but otherwise, the Yankee offense, top of the first, I was joking all about it before of how much of a bomb it was, but again, Oswaldo Cabrera for his second homer of the spring, an absolute atom bomb, a tank job to right field. And then Rodon gave up his five runs, and they would score an extra sixth one in the bottom of the eighth. But then the Yankees would mount an impressive comeback in the top of the ninth with all the kids in. Jamie Westbrook with a three-run shot to make it six to five, and then another three-run shot after that by none other than Jason Dominguez, the Martian. Love to see this. I saw the highlight of this. It was on a low pitch, low and in, and he just went down to get it. Golfed that crap right out to right field. Freaking bomb. Made it 8-6. to six. And then Bastidas again. I should mention him in the beginning as well with uh, someone else catching my attention a little bit. Jesus Bastidas. Two-run single. Made it 10-6. to six, And that would be the final. And that's where we're at right now in spring training. Yankees with a 6-4 and four record. Not that it matters. But for the rest of this week, again, amidst the World Baseball Classic starting as well. So the Yankees will be short a couple of guys like Kyle Higashioka, Glaber Torres, Jonathan Ruizaga. But otherwise, I hope to have a blast in that. We'll see what comes of the Classic, of course. When it comes to this coming week starting tomorrow, there's a 635 game with the Yankees and Pirates tomorrow night. This one I'll actually be able to watch, which I'm very happy about. It is a Yankees home game in George M. Steinbrenner Field. So, because of that, the game will be on, yes, and Domingo Herman is getting his second spring start, so I'm going to look real forward to watching how he does, and again, they're playing the Pirates, that's tomorrow night at 6.35, and they're actually not playing on Tuesday, they have an off day. Wednesday, they have another home game against the Cardinals at 1.05, and it says that this will be on TV as well, so if I happen to be home at any point in the afternoon that day on Wednesday, then... I'm probably going to tune into that one as well, especially since it's on Yes. Thursday, March the 9th, says this one will be on Yes to another game at George M. Steinbrenner Field. The Yankees will be taking on the Red Sox at 105 Thursday. Friday, they'll be on the road against the Tigers. I doubt this one's on television for the Yankees. Yeah, it is not, and also not on radio for the Yankees. It's Friday, March 10th, 105 against the Tigers. On Saturday, the Yankees are split squad in it. Both games at 105. One is against the Pirates on the road, and the other is against the Phillies at George M. Steinbrenner. That'll probably be on television if I had to guess. Let me see if it says anything now. It says yes, okay. So that'll be on yes, one of the two split squad games, one against the Phillies next Saturday, the 11th. And on the 12th, the Yankees will be facing the Red Sox at JetBlue Park. Um, It'll be on television and radio for the Red Sox. Maybe I'll be able to get a hold of that somehow as well. And that's at 105 for the next time we talk. So those are the lineup of games. Again, not that they count or mean anything or hold any value. But just so you know which games are on television and you can tune into. And just in general, what the Yankees are doing for the next week games-wise. And uh, we shall see. It'll be really interesting. And again, the World Baseball Classic starting this week. 
I'm pretty sure you'll start to see games for those on Wednesday the 8th, so I'm going to be looking forward to that. Can't wait to see how that goes. It'd be awesome if the U.S. won again, like they did last, during the last Classic. But we shall see. Other than that, guys, really only one more thing to hammer out, since there really wasn't much Yankees news this week at all, aside from just enjoying some baseball, being back in our TVs, and evaluating how certain guys are doing so far. That's really the main, the main objective for this week so far, in the first full week having gone by of spring training. The only thing left to do for today is a social media segment, and I'm doing something that I haven't done in a while now. I'm doing a Q&A with you guys. You guys ask, I answer. Just like spring training continues to progress, let us continue to progress on this show. First up in the Q&A for this week is at JaviN114, and he asks, who's the opening day shortstop? Well, I do see a lot of people out there, especially after how well he's been doing, I can't really blame them, saying Anthony Volpe, they want him to be on the opening day roster at some capacity. I'm just telling you right now, it's not going to happen. Because he doesn't have enough experience at AAA yet, and I'm just telling you the mentality of the Yankees and what it most likely is. Just based off what has been happening with Anthony Volpe's minor league career so far. You're not going to see him on the opening day roster. They probably want him to develop a little bit more down the minors. And while he does that, I personally am hoping that it is a switch between both Oswald Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera whenever they might need him to play a certain position. They're probably going to be shifting Cabrera all around because I imagine, I mean, anybody with common sense would want to do this, but I imagine they're going to want him in the lineup as much as possible and that they're going to need certain positions filled by him at some points, whether it be via injury, via a day off for somebody. And because of his versatility, he can make that happen. But I do want it to be alternated between Oswald Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera in a perfect world. I would like, in a perfect, perfect world, <laughs> but again, a lot of things prevent this from happening because of the infield logjam. You have Glaber, you have Peraza, you have Cabrera, you have IKF, you have DJ, you have Donaldson. That's everybody you've got for just three positions. That's the kind of logjam we're talking about. And because of the Yankees' likely reluctance to sit someone like Donaldson because of the money he's making, unless he eventually just ends up being so bad yet again that they have no choice but to give up on him, and uh, because they brought back IKF for over $6 million for this year, if, if neither of them or maybe just one of them is to be involved in a potential trade package down the road. But if they're not, then you got to play IKF too because, you know, $6 million for a utility guy is pretty expensive. So I imagine they're not just going to occasionally play him. They're probably going to play him a decent amount, which I've told you plenty enough how much I disagree with that. I think it's time to play the kids who are ready to go. Um, but yeah, I would like Peraza or Cabrera to be there at shortstop, and Cabrera to be getting some looks at third base, too, when needed. Um, but that also complicates things for DJ, because where does DJ play? They're talking about DJ being on the bench, a lot of Yankee fans are talking about, and I cannot stand even the remote thought of that. I think DJ deserves to get looks at third as well. But again, the infield logjam complicates things, and you can thank Brian Cashman for that. So... I don't really know what they're going to do as far as the start of the season um, to ensure that people get consistent playing time. Maybe if they 
value Cabrera more. Maybe they'll have Cabrera play more shortstop. Maybe they'll send Peraza down to start the season, which I, I'm fully against that. Uh, Peraza's put up a decent showing so far, and I want him to remain as the shortstop for at least a decent amount of the games. And for whenever he's not, I want someone like Cabrera there. That's what I want. So, I guess that answers your question pretty much. I'm perfectly fine if they also need to, if they if they absolutely have to incorporate IKF. Here's the thing. Getting rid of Donaldson would just do wonders for me. I know people would be quick to mention, oh, what about his defense? He did decently at that in 2022. Again, let's not pretend like Donaldson was brought here for his defense, okay? He was majorly brought here as well to make an offensive impact. And all of last year, he did not do that. Could he turn that around this year? If you want to believe that, then fine. But we spoke about for a chunk of last week's episode how I just have every reason to believe that that's not going to happen. So, if that's the case, then you could put IKF at third too. I mentioned that briefly before because IKF's a pretty good third baseman. He's good there too defensively, and he really did. He was not good defensively at shortstop, as we know. The Yankees tried to convince you that he was, but our eyeballs are functioning after all, at least most of ours, and he was not. Third base is better off. So if you must, I'd rather him be utility for third base and at the most just plug and play him at shortstop and third when needed. But I prefer to see him as little as possible. And obviously I would like to not have Donaldson at all, which definitely uncomplicates a lot of things. And you could alternate between DJ and or Cabrera if you can't figure something out on a permanent basis for then. Or I would just put DJ there full time and... If you need to put Cabrera in the lineup on a consistent basis, then I guess you continue to plant him in the outfield until you have reason not to, because I really want Cabrera on the field and in the lineup. I really do. But I also want DJ out there. (laughs) But it complicates things with Glaber still here, and you want to find playing time for Cabrera and Peraza and DJ while also having IKF and Donaldson, it just really complicates things. It really, really does. In a perfect world, I guess, I would just... Because I really have no other choice but to do so. This would be the best way to do it, I guess. I'd put DJ at third, put Peraza at shortstop for now, and leave Glaber down at second, put Oswaldo back and left just so he could continue getting consistent at-bats. And obviously Rizzo's at first, Judge in right, Bader in center. I mean, you could talk about on a given day if someone needs a day off or if someone's injured, then that could change things and make things clearer. But as of now, while everyone's healthy, it's a complicated picture because of the logjam. It just is, no matter how you spin it. So, that long, exasperated answer, I hope, answers your question, Javi. <laughs> Thank you for the question. Up next, we've got Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, and she asks, What has been your biggest surprise slash disappointment so far in spring training? What are you looking forward to seeing until the season starts? Well, first and foremost, like everybody says, the first thing, first and foremost, in spring training has to be that everybody remains healthy. That has to be the first thing. Other than that, I guess exactly what I said last week when I said what I was looking most forward to. I was really looking forward to just seeing the kids play, and so far... It has really been eye-opening for a lot of guys whose names really weren't even mentioned heading into spring training, and also seeing guys who we did expect to do a good job, like Dominguez and Volpe, really showcase their skills for everybody, even if it's in exhibition games. But it's still been really exciting to watch with how much they've done. It really has been. So the kids are a big thing. I'd like to see how Rodon continues to do. 
And, you know, obviously bounce back from that start today. Again, I'm not upset about it at all. Believe it or not, there are some out there who I'm sure are just like, oh my God, what a bum, what a bust, a terrible signing. I'm sure there are those people out there. Because there always are. They are inevitable. But... I do want to see how he does. I want to continue to see how some of the bullpen pieces do. I want to see by the end of the spring who has an edge between Herman and Schmidt for a potential fifth spot in the rotation as well. And by the end, I just want to see if there's a clearer picture as to who deserves to play where and how often when it comes to shortstop and third base in particular and also in left field. They're also going to be trying judge out in left field officially in the next few days, I believe. We'll see how that goes. If they could get him to play left field and then maybe have Stanton in the outfield more in right field if that has them feeling more comfortable. If he's playing a position that he's most familiar with throughout his career as opposed to left field, put him in right field and Judge learns left, I guess. I don't know. I I just think it would be fine to put Stanton in left for the time being. But listen, if Judge has no problem with it and he can learn it very well, quickly, efficiently, then I guess give the left field thing a shot. It just annoys me how the occasional spots on the roster of just, it's just bad roster construction is forcing people to play in positions that are not their primary ones, and it's forcing things to just get all messy. It's just annoying. It really is. And I know that things are impossible to predict all the time. You're going to get things wrong if you're in Brian Cashman's shoes, but I look to him when it comes to that. Just occasional poor roster construction. And it really can throw a lot of things off, as as we've seen with the way a lot of people are talking. What should be done with this guy, and how often should he play here? And what about this other guy there? And there's a log jam here. And you look to Cashman in the front office for that crap. At least that's what I do. You know, you can't always get everything right, but it's it complicates things. So I guess that's what I'm most looking forward to, just to seeing how much clearer, or I guess not clearer, things could possibly be by the end of spring training. Or at least in the next couple of weeks, maybe, as we get closer to the end of it. See if there is a clearer picture for left field, for shortstop, for third base. Watching the kids play. A lot of those things I'm looking forward to as it continues. Biggest surprise? It's a great question. I don't want to say I'm surprised by how well Oswaldo's doing, but it's it's fun to watch. I guess I'm also... I'm not necessarily surprised at these things. I guess I'm just more happy to see how well Volpe and Dominguez are also doing. I guess a surprise would be a lot of the names that were not even mentioned coming into this. Maybe even guys who just had invites or they were just prospects that nobody really spoke about as much yet. But um, guys like Ortega, Calhoun, Chaparro, Narvaez, these guys have been fun to watch. They've gotten some big hits and some big moments, and it's been fun. So I guess that would be my biggest surprise. How many people who are not even really being spoken about at all heading into spring training who are actually really drawing some attention to themselves, and rightfully so. They're doing very well. Uh, Biggest disappointment. Good question. Um, I would say that even though I'm not surprised to see him not doing very well, I would say that IKF, I mean, yes, granted, it's early. He's only had a handful of at-bats, I know. But... I mean, I'm pretty dis- disappointed with how he's done so far. Um, I know Stanton doesn't have a hit yet, but I, I don't really care about that. <laughs> Again, spring training, I don't put too much stock into it. Um, I guess I could say I was a little disappointed with Clark Schmidt's last outing because I, I really think it's time that Schmidt really just takes a hold of his true destiny and really 
just grabs and solidifies a spot in the Yankee rotation. I think it's about time that happens. So I would definitely say that anytime he has a difficult outing, even if it's right now in games that don't count, well, he's he's fighting for a spot right now, so I want to see him do well. So anytime he does badly, it, it disappoints me. It does. And I'm trying to think what else. Because it's a little too early to be definitively disappointed or surprised about something. So I guess I would say that. IKF not doing well. Clark Schmidt's last outing. Yeah, that about does it, I guess. Not much bad has happened this spring so far. All right, next we have at NYY Sports Fan 96, also asking who I think the starting shortstop should be. Uh, again, I, I guess it should be Peraza right now. I'd really love to see him get his fair shot there and uh, also just work Oswaldo Cabrera into there and also work him in at third base as well. Do whatever you got to do. Play the kids who deserve to be played over the people who clearly do not belong or maybe an aging veteran who doesn't deserve a fraction of the amount of salary he's making. So that's my overall viewpoint on it. Honestly, mostly regardless of what happens this spring. Up next, we have at Laura underscore Icemont. My friend Laura asks, how impressed are you with the kids in spring training so far? I'm really impressed. Really, really impressed. Volpe and Dominguez, of course, and also all these other names that I have dropped as well, who maybe just had an invite or just really getting to showcase their skills for the first time to the Yankees and their fans. Um, I'm really impressed with them so far. I really am. Some of them have yet to find their groove, of course, as of yet. But again, it's still early. But I'm, I'm mostly really impressed with them. And I'm having a blast watching them. Up next, we have at Blockhead for Real asking, will you film yourself crying when they designate Volpe for assignment and simultaneously name IKF the starting shortstop? Yes, I actually will. I will be glad to film myself crying for that and possibly even doing a swan dive off my roof into a pit of thumbtacks. How does that sound to you? <laughs> you know I love you, Block. Block is like that neighborhood joker on Twitter. He's, he's always busting balls. I love it. Yeah, but they're not going to DFA him, but yeah, if they, I'm, I already know that Volpe is not going to start the season up here, so I'm ready for that, but if they name IKF the starting shortstop over other options, at least to start even, yeah, it ain't going to be a pleasant mic to deal with at that point. <laughs> up next, we have Tina at MountainGal456 asking, which players have impressed you this spring training season, and so far, how are you liking the new baseball rules? Well, like I said before, just running down the list, Volpe, Dominguez, Ortega, Calhoun's having himself a nice spring, Chaparro, Narvaez hitting the walk-off the other day. It's been fun watching the kids. Um, so they've definitely impressed me, the kids, more so than anything. Uh, Glaber's had himself a nice spring. I really like watching him. Oswaldo, obviously. Peraza's not doing badly. Uh, Bader's having himself a nice spring. He's doing pretty well. Who else? I'm trying to think. Just uh, so many names, you know, especially in spring training when you have the rookies involved and the non-roster invitees. It's just, there's a lot of people to go through. Uh, Rizzo's doing a decent job. Judge hasn't seen too much playing time yet, but Judge is doing nicely, I suppose. Stanton's got a breakthrough in the hit column, so we'll see when that happens. But yeah, I guess that's a brief rundown of those who I've enjoyed watching so far and who have done a pretty nice job. The new baseball rules. Well, I've gone in on that. Obviously, there have been some issues here and there regarding the pitch clock so far, and, and a lot of that's going to come with a lot of guys adjusting, as we've spoken about. 
Um, I already love the look without the shift, to be honest, and I've spoken about the pros and cons to not having the shift before I was speaking about that, acknowledging how some people think it's pretty lame to take strategy away from the game forcibly, but in the same breath acknowledging that it'll probably lead to more offense in baseball. So to be honest, I'm a pretty big fan of the no shift so far, honestly. Some people may not like to hear me say that, but I, I kind of am. I'm, I'm liking how it's looking so far. Uh, I, don't, I haven't really seen that big of a difference with the bigger bases. I don't really much care about that. It's fine, I guess. But um, nothing really that stands out to me beyond. Like, I, I see some players getting irritated with the pitch clock, particularly the veterans who've been playing their entire career and never having to worry about such a thing. And I can understand that. But they're going to have to adjust like everybody else. This is what it is now. But um, I do still have those nightmares, of course, like how that Red Sox and Braves game ended when it ended forcibly because of a pitch clock violation in a big moment in the bottom of the ninth with the game tied, bases loaded. I believe it was three and two, two outs. And it ended on a strike three call because of a clock violation. So it's times like that that really, like, just have me have nightmares about potential scenarios in the future regarding those kinds of violations and those kind of big moments. But so far, it's fine, I guess. And the shift, I, I'm... The no shift I'm happy about because, again, I acknowledged before, it did get out of hand. The shift got out of hand. Whether you're pro or anti-shift, you have to admit, it got out of hand. And did it work because it was less offense? Yeah, sure. But it got out of hand. <laughs> All right, next up is at Andrew Caruso 77 And he asks... Which prospects, other than Volpe or Dominguez, have excited you this spring? Do you think any of them could make an impact in the bigs down the line? Well, I have dropped all the names throughout this episode, but a couple of names that have really stood out to me rookie-wise, or just prospect-wise, rather. A couple of them have really been Narvaez. I really liked that walk-off the other day. I know it's just one thing, but it's good promise. I like how he's looked so far. And Andres Chaparro, I mean... This kid has impressive power. And I had, I'm going to be totally honest. I had barely ever even heard of him prior to this spring. And he's pretty impressive to me. I like his swing a lot. And if these kids could just continue this throughout this spring, who knows? Maybe they could eventually be considered down the line. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see that happen. Those are a couple of names in particular, prospect-wise, who have caught my attention this spring. Narvaez and especially... Chaparro. He has really impressed me with his power. So I guess if I had to name a couple of them at least, then that would be it, Andrew, because they have uh, looked pretty good, especially Chaparro. He's looked really, really good. Next up, we got my buddy Spencer at Musician DMD, and he asks actually two questions. First one, this is the 50th anniversary of the scandalous news when Yankee pitchers Mike Kekich and Fritz Peterson swapped wives and families in 1973 during spring training. How should the Yankees commemorate this event? Oh my god. That's right. Oh my god. It's 50 years. Holy crap. I remember hearing about that a few years ago and I was like, what the hell? I still don't understand it. But hey, listen, maybe they could commemorate it by uh, some of the guys taking pictures with some of the other guys' wives. I don't know. <laughs> They would never do anything like that, and I don't encourage them to do anything like that. But uh, commemorate. That would be an interesting event to commemorate. And the second question... <laughs> That's funny. The second question... The Mandalorian previously brought back Luke Skywalker. Star Wars question, I guess. Okay. Which character from Star Wars past would you like to see? Myself, Han Solo, as played by 
Alden, and you'll have to forgive me, Spencer, but I forget how to pronounce that actor's last name, uh, which I really liked. Your thoughts on Solo, and would you like to see more of that character if you like him? Could he be incorporated into the far, far away Man- Mandalaxy? <laughs> so a Star Wars question on Yapping Yankees. <laughs> Very nice, Spence. Uh, first off, I was pretty indifferent towards Solo, to be honest. I, there were things I liked about it, and, I, and a lot of things I didn't like. Um, so I, I guess I'm sort of indifferent. So whether he could be incorporated, I don't really know. I don't, I don't really care, to be honest. I, I don't let Han Solo and them have their own time. You know what? It's time for storytelling with Mando and, and other characters. But another character brought back, I don't really know. Upon just thinking about it, I didn't have time to think about this. I guess because of your like of Solo, I guess I'll stick to that movie and say I'd like to see... What's her favorite? I don't even remember the character's name. I saw Solo such a long time ago. I have to watch it to refresh my memory. But I'd like to see the female love interest return at some capacity in Star Wars. Especially because she was in cahoots with Maul, which is really interesting. So... I'd like to see that, I guess. That was a cool aspect of it. I love how Darth Maul was incorporated into it. I'm a big Maul fan, so I guess I'll I'll give you that much. All right, let's finish up with our usual final two, heading up to a, an hour and ten on here. We'll finish off with the usual final two here on Yapping Yankees for this Q&A, I suppose. First up is my girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and she asks, Do you think that the Yankees will designate a closer? And if so, who would you choose? We've spoken about this a few times before on the show. I actually do not think that the Yankees will designate a specific closer. I think that they view a lot of their top arms in the bullpen as people who could close games as needed. I mean, they've really expressed that a lot in recent years, that that's how they view their bullpen, and that they don't even really need a definitive closer. Now, could they? Yeah, they very well could. I think that Anyone ranging from Jonathan Lewisaga to Ron Marinaccio to Michael King to Clay Holmes. A bunch of names out there they could try out for a potential closer role if they so choose. But me personally, even though he has the usual annual shoulder issue, which usually makes him miss give or take about a month each year for the last few years now, I've made it no secret that I absolutely love Johnny Lowe. Jonathan Lewisaga is my boy out there. So I would love for him to be designated as closer, but there are a lot of arms out there who I'd trust. I trust Marinaccio. I trust Michael King. I trust Luizaga. If Clay Holmes could consistently be his first half self from last year, then that'll have me regain my trust in him. Wandy Peralta, even though there were some games where he really made it nerve-wracking or just failed, I'm not sure if he could make it as a closer, but I do like him as a reliever, period, here so far, with how he's done since they got him from San Fran. So, they could see him as an option. Maybe even if Tommy Canely recaptures that fire, maybe they'd give Tommy Canely a couple of closing opportunities. Who knows? So many names out there to choose from. But, because of all those names, and how they view all of them as so competent that they'd probably trust any of them to close out games, and they really seem open-minded out there to just fulfill whatever inning the Yankees might need them to. I'm not really so sure they would designate a closer. I'd say no more than yes. But if they do, my guy would be Johnny Lowe. That's always going to be the one I side with. I love Jonathan Luizaga. His stuff is electric. If he's healthy, I mean, he's almost impossible to predict. He's got an electric moving fastball really fast. And 
Obviously, his slider is devastating. Even his off-speed stuff is really good overall. He'll even occasionally showcase a changeup. So he is electric because that hard, sinking fastball is devastating. The slider slash curve, I, I call it more of a slurve, honestly, the way it moves, and the changeup together. I mean, when he's on, he is on. So he's the one that I trust. But there are a few out there who I trust, so it's all good, I guess. And last but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, Hi, Mike. My question will probably have been addressed during your show before the social media segment. My question starts with, are you happy with the way the prospects have been playing in spring games? I find it amusing how IKF, Hicks, and Donaldson are the team players we're seeing playing with the prospects a lot of the time. Our big players aren't seen too often yet. Hoping those three can prove in these weeks that they should be benched more than not during the season. Thoughts? <laughs> I know, Mom. You're really not a big fan of those three, and neither am I. I'm going to root for people to do well because it helps the team, but I will not be surprised if I'm proven right again either, which I'd rather be proven wrong than right because I want everyone to do well in the team so the team can do well. I'm a Yankee fan at the end of the day, and I know you are too, but I know people just can't stand them, and rightfully so because they shouldn't be out there. That's my opinion, it's your opinion, and I'm not going to fault you for it. Um, but yeah, they're playing right now a lot because, you know, they get a lot of playing time because they have a lot to prove. Usually the big guys like Judge and Stanton and Rizzo, guys, you know, who are going to be out there, and you know that. They don't need as much time to warm up as, you know, guys who have something to prove do or fighting for a roster spot, you know, or the, the prospects. They're going to play a lot more as they should. So the three of them are definitely fighting for spots on this team. They should be getting a lot of chances so we can have a clearer picture of things by the time the spring comes to an end. So that's mostly why that happens. But we'll, we'll see how they end up doing. I don't have faith in any of the three of them. Um, at least Hicks has a home run, and he has had hits like up the middle or towards the hole where now they're hits as opposed to before where maybe the shift took some away, hence the discussion happening, even on Yes with Michael Kay, asking if the shift being banned could actually help certain guys who have struggled the last few years, i.e. Aaron Hicks. Who knows? Who knows if it will or won't? But uh, they, they got something to prove. All three of them. Not happy with how IKF has done. Donaldson's done okay so far, I suppose. And Hicks of the three has probably done the best. But again, we're at the very beginning. We'll see what happens as it progresses. But... You also did mention the prospects, and yes, I'm very happy with how they're playing. I'm very happy with how those who had an invite to spring training, the vast majority of them, I'm happy with how they're playing. I'm happy with the prospects, of course. Most especially Volpe and Dominguez, Narvaez and Chaparro have made things fun as well. And I just hope things continue on this trend. want everybody to just have a good time, stay healthy, and perform well. Help the Yankees and us fans have a clearer picture of things by the time all is said and done and the regular season is about to start. But for now, we continue to progress along through spring training and just enjoy the exhibition games, enjoy seeing the boys out there again, and keep on having us surprised with names who we didn't expect to surprise us, perhaps. That's the name of spring training. So, we'll keep progressing through that, and we'll keep progressing through the weeks, too, all the way up until opening day, guys, which, again, is only 25 days away. I can't believe that. Again, World Baseball Classic this week as well, starting in the middle of the week. I'll be tuning into that whenever I can, obviously. 
on top of spring training as we continue to progress through March, the month that typically goes the slowest throughout the year, if I had to say. But it surely makes it a lot less torturous when you have baseball to keep your attention occupied. But as for now, guys, nonetheless, that is all for episode 173 of Yapping Yankees today. Please remember to follow me on all socials. If you do not already, my Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And my Instagram is at MikeScuds97. Be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on, my friends. That would be YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all of them. And if you've missed any episodes, you could listen to episodes 34 up to 173 today on YouTube and every single episode going all the way back to episode one four years ago are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But once again, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my good people, I am Mike Scudero, your host, and I will talk to you next Sunday, March 12th, when I come at you with episode 174 of Yapping Yankees. It is definitely good to be back here every single week, guys. Talking baseball with you guys again, even if it doesn't count. Who cares? Baseball is back, and that's what matters. But until then, my friends... Hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, go and kick life's ass this week, and continue to enjoy baseball as we progress through spring training. And after many years, over a half a decade, we also finally welcome the World Baseball Classic back as baseball action continues even more so here in the month of March. Lots to look forward to this week. I hope you enjoyed as much as I do, my friends. Until next Sunday, have a good week and take care.